probably this is true for all of us, uh, any parents. Uh, we have this place in our house, in one of the boys' bedrooms, kind of behind the door, where we have been marking the progress of their growth until a couple of years ago when we couldn't reach that high anymore. But uh, So we have this place, and uh, you know, parents have all done this, right? You back your kid up to the wall, and you measure their height, you draw a mark, and you write the date on there. In fact, in their bedroom, this bedroom, we have painted a couple of times, but we keep painting around that spot so we don't lose that mark of their growth. Well, in any church or organization, there are certain events or changes that mark our progress or our growth. Crosspoint is now three and a half years old, and we are about to go through a, a change that is going to mark our progress and our growth. And so if you're a guest, I uh, want to say it's a good day for you to be here. Uh, I think you'll enjoy kind of getting this inside glimpse at this exciting moment. And so I'm glad you're here today. And I think that uh, this will give you a real picture of who we are here at Crosspoint. And that's a good day for you to be here. Um, at Crosspoint, up until this point, we have been led uh, by our staff in terms of our day-to-day operations and any uh, programming decisions, and that will continue to be true. We also, though, have had a, a management team that has given some oversight and accountability and protection to us financially, and they have also guarded our vision as a church. And this management team has uh, been made up of the senior pastor and another leader uh, from the church in Fort Myers that planted us, uh, as well as some other uh, leaders, the church leaders in our community, and they have been meeting quarterly and giving this oversight to our church. Now, as you study the church in the New Testament, you see a pattern that takes place. A church would be started in the Bible time, in those ancient times, and then after a period of time, after it had grown a bit, they would appoint elders or shepherds who would give spiritual leadership to that church. And we have reached the point at Crosspoint that we are going to have elders or shepherds who are going to give spiritual guidance to our church. It's a pretty exciting thing and a pretty cool thing that we all are going to get to be part of this. And so collectively, I guess today, we're sort of backing up to the wall and drawing a line and marking this event, this progress in the life of our church. Now, maybe if you have come to Crosspoint from another church background, maybe at some point you have wondered, well, why don't they have elders or shepherds at that church? And we have intentionally been very slow in moving in this direction for a couple of reasons. Two things we've been looking for. One, in our early days, we were looking to see who would stick, who was going to make a long-term commitment to be a part of Crosspoint. Secondly, we have been watching to see who would begin to do what shepherds are supposed to do before they were ever given a title. And over a period of time, our staff has been watching and we have seen in a group of men, guys who were doing a lot of what shepherds are supposed to do. And so over the past several months, this group of guys has been meeting together. We have been studying what it means to be a shepherd and we have been praying together. And in just a couple of weeks, we will set aside this group of guys to become Crosspoint's first shepherds. And I am very excited about this transition that will take place. So I think it's important for us as a group collectively to take a couple of weeks and study 
and make sure that we have a clear understanding of what the Bible teaches about shepherds and their spiritual role in the church. The reality is, a lot of us have come from different church backgrounds. And it doesn't matter what name was on the door, we probably come to Crosspoint with some preconceived ideas about what elders or shepherds are supposed to do. And to be quite honest, it may be that for some of you, you bring with you some negative images of what elders are supposed to do. Maybe when I say that term elder or shepherd, the image that comes to your mind is that you think of a group of people meeting for hours in a room, arguing or debating about what color to paint the bathrooms or uh, how much to pay the youth minister. Maybe when I say that, the image that comes to your mind, you get this picture of a group of people who were given a title at some point, but you're not really sure if they ever did anything. Let me tell you one of the images that I have from uh, my childhood of elders. When I uh, was growing up in the church, I was part of a uh, pretty traditional church, not exactly that it ever looked like this. And um, I can remember in our church, down at the front of the, the auditorium, there was a sanctuary, what is what it would have been called, and uh, there was a communion table, kind of an ornate table, and every week the, the communion emblems, the grape juice and the bread, were stacked in trays on those uh, tables. And at the exact right moment in the service, the people, the men who were going to serve communion would come marching down the aisle like a group of soldiers, led by two of the elders. They would sit in the front row, and then when it was time for communion, they would all stand up, and the two elders would come to the front. One of them would say a few words about communion. The other would pray. And then they had these really cool, big throne chairs beside the communion table, and the two elders would be seated in the throne chairs. When I was growing up, we were never allowed to sit in the throne chairs. Those were reserved for the elders. Now, I'm exaggerating it a bit, but some of you may share that kind of image. And guess what? That's not at all the picture that the Bible paints of what shepherds are supposed to do in the church. So I want to ask you this morning to set aside any preconceived ideas that you may have about what shepherds do in the church. And I want to spend some time together studying this morning, coming to an understanding of what the Bible actually says. And then I want us to do what we always try to do around here at Crosspoint. And that is, to the very best of our ability, live out what the Bible teaches. Now, in the Bible, you will find several names or terms that refer to this role or function. Uh, you'll find names like elder or bishop or uh, overseer. But one of the dominant names that you will also find is the term shepherd. The term Shepherd is, in fact, woven throughout the Bible to describe the relationship that God has with each of us. And it is this term of shepherd that we are going to use here at Crosspoint. I want to point you to a couple of Scriptures in the New Testament of your Bible that where this term is used and where it's referred to specifically as those who give spiritual guidance to the church. One of them is found in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Paul is speaking to a group of church leaders who have been given this role of spiritually guiding the church. And here's what he says to them in Acts 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which He bought with His own blood. 
If you go a little later in the New Testament of your Bible, you will find Peter writing to another group of church leaders who have been given the responsibility of spiritual guidance, and he says this to them, 1 Peter 5, 2, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. And so the title that I have chosen for us to use around here to refer to this group of people who will give spiritual guidance to our church is the term shepherd. Now, I know in our culture that is not a word that we are very uh, aware of. It's not a word that we use a lot. I mean, how many of you have personally ever cared for a flock of sheep? Yeah, that's what I thought. And how many of you personally know a someone whose profession is a shepherd? Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, it's just not relevant in a lot of ways to our culture. But none of the actual terms that the Bible uses do we use in our regular language. But I think the term shepherd gives the most clear picture of what this group of those who give spiritual guidance are actually supposed to do. So to understand this, I guess first this morning, we need to make sure we understand some things about sheep. I don't know if you are aware, but sheep are, not to hurt anyone's feelings, but they're basically a dumb animal. Do you realize, I mean, have you ever heard of a sheep trainer? You ever seen sheep do tricks? They're not a very intelligent animal. They have to be led to water. They have to be led to food. They have no homing instinct. If you were to take a sheep uh, out into a field and leave it by itself, it is not likely that it would find its way back home. It would be an accident if it did. Sheep are dirty animals. A cat or a dog, they clean themselves, but you'll never find a sheep doing that. They are a dirty animal. Sheep are defenseless. They don't have claws or uh, fangs. You uh, Something attacks them, all they can do is run away, and they don't do that very well. They are a defenseless animal. Sheep... In fact, let me tell you this true story. This was in the news uh, just uh, several weeks ago. I saw this. It happened over in Turkey. There were some shepherds who were watching over a flock of sheep. And they'd kind of taken a break. They were just letting the sheep graze around and eat. And the shepherds were kind of off to the side, um, I think sharing a meal together and hanging out. Before they could react, they saw one of the sheep jump off a cliff the entire flock, several hundreds of sheep, followed one after the other. Now, the first 450 sheep that jumped off the cliff died. The other several hundred that followed, and this this really happened, you can read about it online in the paper, I checked it out to make sure it was true, they didn't die because there was such a, a soft, woolly collection below them that they landed softly and they were okay. Sheep are not the brightest animals. Sheep need a shepherd. And you will find in the Bible that this is the metaphor that God uses over and over again to describe His relationship with us. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. And we need Him to be involved in our lives and guide us. Now, the the idea of the shepherd, that metaphor, is woven over 500 times throughout the Bible. And to really understand this, you need to understand some things about an ancient shepherd. So let me tell you some things about them. An ancient shepherd would have, would have been known to do several things. For one, 
A shepherd, when a new lamb was born, would have been the first to hold that lamb. He would take that cold, trembling little lamb and hold it in his arms. He would stroke that lamb. He would give it a name. And he would softly talk to that. So that immediately that sheep would begin to recognize his voice. As that little lamb were to grow older, the shepherd would be responsible for making sure that they were led to water. He would make sure that they were led to food. He would protect them. He lived his life literally among the sheep. To the point that it was a true statement to say the shepherd grew to smell like a sheep. The shepherd had a a ritual every night. As nightfall would grow close, he would actually lead them into some kind of fold, something that was surrounded basically on three sides, usually some kind of oval shape. And he would lead them into this pen area for their protection during the night. Once they had safely led all of them into the pen, he would then begin to inspect every sheep individually. And as he would inspect them to make sure that they had not been injured throughout the day, that they didn't have any problems, he would gently talk to them and call them by name. And one by one by one, he would go through the entire flock of sheep. When he had inspected every one of them, he would then take his body and lay it at the gate of that pen, at the opening, so that the sheep who were on the inside were protected from the predators who might be on the other side. And he literally became the gate of that sheepfold. A shepherd came to smell like his sheep. I think that's why this is such a compelling model for us to look at and examine because it so clearly spells out the relationship that God desires with us and the relationship that God would have of those that lead the church with those that they lead. Now, I want you to listen to something that Jesus said. Jesus, in His own words, said this in John chapter 10. And with that image of the ancient shepherd in mind, listen to what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from Him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 7 says this, Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before Me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And then in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know My sheep and My sheep know Me. Just as the Father knows Me and I know the Father and I lay down My life for the sheep. I want you to take this home with you today. Jesus is the great Shepherd. And He is deeply interested in your life to the point that He wants us to know His voice. He calls us by name. And He wants us to follow wherever He leads. And He will literally lay down His life for his sheep. He becomes that gate to protect us from those who would try to hurt us. Jesus is the great shepherd. But when Jesus left this earth after his resurrection and went back to heaven, and the early church got started, 
It was God's design that He would call a group of shepherds who would then begin to care for His sheep here on earth. Not that Jesus is no longer the great shepherd, but while Jesus is away, God has entrusted the care of His sheep to shepherds in His church who would watch after the flock. So the question that we need to answer this morning then is what does a shepherd do? And to answer that question, I want to take you to a passage in the Old Testament part of your Bible. It's in the book of Ezekiel. And this is the one I want you to turn to today because we're going to spend a few minutes here. Ezekiel chapter 34, and if you don't know where Ezekiel is, the easiest thing for you to do is just to go to the table of contents right there in the front, find out to what page number it starts on, turn to that page, and we're going to be in chapter 34. Ezekiel was a prophet of God, and God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel here to give a message to the leaders of the nation of Israel who had been entrusted with caring for God's people, God's sheep in Israel. God is not happy with these shepherds. And so he chastises them for some things that they are not doing to care for his sheep. And in a very succinct list here, we will find a clear picture of some things that God expects shepherds to do for his people, his sheep. So listen to what's written here. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? God is upset because the leaders of Israel, those who have been entrusted to care for His sheep in Israel, they were only worried about themselves. They weren't taking care of the flock. Verse 3 says, You eat the curds and clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not, and here's the list, You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And here's the result of their oversight, verse 5. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all of the wild animals. Sheep who have no shepherd end up eventually scattering or straying and there is danger in that. So what does a shepherd do? I see five things here that God talks about. Number one, a shepherd will strengthen the weak. A shepherd will strengthen the weak. A shepherd who is tending his sheep will do everything he can to help young sheep grow to be strong and healthy. He will make sure that he leads them to water. He will make sure that he protects them against those who would try to harm them. He will do everything he can to strengthen the weak. And in the church, shepherds will come alongside a young or a new Christ follower and will help them learn how to use the tools that God has given us that will help us to help them to grow their relationship with God to be strong and healthy. A shepherd in the church will come alongside a weak Christ follower and will help them discover the power of God through prayer to work in their lives. The shepherd in the church will come alongside a weak Christ follower and will help them learn how to say no to temptation so that they don't find themselves wandering down the wrong trail in life but continue to have a healthy relationship with God. Now, I guess inherent in all of these qualities that we're going to talk about is the idea that a shepherd has to know his sheep. Uh, Tim Laniak 
uh, is a writer, and he spent some time with shepherds asking them lots of questions, trying to better understand their lives. And in some of his writings about that, he says that one of the questions he kept asking over and over again of these shepherds was, do you really know your sheep? And every time he asked that, the shepherds would look at him like that he was crazy, like, of course we know our sheep. But one day he was with the shepherd of a rather large flock of sheep, and he said to him, do you know your sheep? And he said, well, of course I do. He said, well, how do you know them? Tell, tell me what that means. The shepherd says, well, every one of my sheep, I know them by name. I can tell you the date that they were born and the circumstances of their birth. I can tell you if they have ever broken a bone. I know what diseases they are susceptible to. I know what kinds of foods they don't handle well. I know my sheep. And a shepherd will know his sheep in the church. Now, understand a couple of things. Ultimately, the one who knows us the best and who will always know the most about us is Jesus. And again, I want you to remember this week, Jesus knows you deeply. Everything that has happened in your life this week, in the deepest part of your life, He knows about. And He always wants to be our ultimate shepherd. But in the church, God expects that the shepherds will know their sheep. Now, that doesn't mean that it will be possible for all of our shepherds to know every single one of you. But it does mean that each of our shepherds desire to know as many of you as possible. It also means on a practical level that our shepherds will continue to count on our life group leaders to know you, to know you well and to know what is going on in your life. And when something happens in your life that you need a shepherd to come alongside, our life group leaders will make the shepherds aware of that need in your life. Here's the second thing that I noticed that uh, ought to be true of shepherds. They will bind up the injured. They will bind up the injured. Have you ever heard the, the term a cast down sheep? Basically, it is true of sheep that if they get somehow rolled over on their back, they can't get up. They are stuck. And what begins to happen to them is that the gases in their stomach actually begin to harden to the place where it causes them to suffocate. And when they're like that, of course, their legs become numb. And so a shepherd, when he sees this happening, will go over, but he won't just immediately roll them back over. He will first very carefully with his hands begin to massage each of their legs, trying to get some blood to return. And then very gingerly, he will roll that sheep over, but he doesn't let go immediately. He will stand there and hold that sheep as the blood flows back to its legs and it regains its strength. And all the time, as he's gently standing there holding that sheep, he will say to them, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And when the sheep is ready to stand on his own again, then the shepherd will let go and the sheep will continue to follow the shepherd. And in all of our lives, there will be some times when we are spiritually wounded or we become physically ill. And our shepherds in those moments will desire to come alongside you to help you find spiritual healing that you need and to help you and pray with you as you seek God for the physical healing that you need. See, we believe around here in the power of prayer to do amazing things in the lives of people. In fact, I want to tell you a recent story that's happened uh, to somebody in our church. Brooke and Gary Grasso are part of our church and you probably, a lot of you know them. Recently, Gary's mom was very ill in the hospital. 
through a series of events that happened, she found herself very unexpectedly very ill. Tubes and machines and IVs, all kinds of medications. And it really reached the point where the doctors had basically said, we've done all we know how to do. We're not sure she's going to make it. I visited her several times in the hospital and in a couple of those visits as I walked away, I really thought, I don't know if she's going to make it another day unless God intervenes and does something miraculous. Well, after my one of those visits, just a couple of days later, I went back to the hospital and was absolutely amazed to find her, no more tubes, sitting up in bed, having some broken conversations because her throat was very sore, very few IVs. Her body had recovered. And the only way that I can explain that, the only way I think that can be explained, is the power of God who answered the prayers of people. The medicine wasn't working. It wasn't because of what the doctors did. It was because of the power of God at work in someone's life. And around here we believe in that kind of power. And so when you find yourself physically ill or spiritually suffering, our elders want to be here to pray for you. They will come to your bedside if that's appropriate. They will always be here on Sundays to pray for you. If you want to follow the biblical example of having the elders anoint you with oil, they will do that. Because they want to be part of your life in binding up the injured and helping people to find the healing that they need in their lives. The third thing that's talked about here that shepherds are supposed to do is to rescue the strays. Sheep are prone to wander. Sheep will just wander away from the flock and the shepherd has to to go and rescue them. And sometimes in the church, there are people who get involved in sin in their life and they run away and they hide. And there are other times for people that life's struggles become really difficult and they wander from the flock. And it's the responsibility of the shepherd to go looking for those who have wandered from the flock and very tenderly try to bring them back to the community that God has placed them in for their own good and their own growth spiritually. Now, if when you become a member at Crosspoint, one of the things that happens when you become a member is that you are submitting yourself, you're placing yourself under the leadership of our shepherds, and you're saying to them, I want you to lead my life spiritually. And if, you, if they see in your life that you have become involved in some kind of ongoing sin or behavior that is damaging your relationship with Jesus, our shepherds are going to call you on it. Not out of some role of authority, but because they love you. And they want to, to rescue you and keep you from straying away and make sure that you have a healthy, growing relationship with Jesus. A fourth thing that I see here that shepherds are supposed to do, they are to search for the lost. Shepherds in the church ought to have a heart for people who are living far from God. Shepherds in the church ought to care about our community. And the shepherds who are going to lead our church are men who are going to model for us the importance of reaching out to people who are living far from God. They are going to model what is our ultimate priority here at Crosspoint, and that is connecting people in a relationship with Jesus. They are going to model for us one of our core values, the, the core value that every day we ought to have a habit in our lives of pointing people to Jesus. Because shepherds understand 
the importance of searching for the lost. And there are a lot of stories in the Bible about shepherds who left behind the flock momentarily to go and find even one sheep that had strayed and was lost to rescue them and bring them back to the fold. And that's the heart of people that will be our shepherds around here. The fifth thing that I see in this passage that God says ought to be true of shepherds is that overseers, they will oversee with gentleness. That shepherds will oversee with gentleness. This is not about a a harsh kind of rulership. It's not about authority. This is a role that demonstrates love and humility and gentleness. And so if they are going to oversee with gentleness, let me tell you some things that shepherds at Crosspoint will not concern themselves with. Shepherds at Crosspoint will not concern themselves with having long meetings debating about what copier the church ought to buy or lease. Shepherds at Crosspoint will not spend their time trying to run the daily operations of Crosspoint. They will continue to trust our staff to do that. Now, there will be an administrative group of shepherds who, like the management team, will continue to provide the protection and accountability that we need for our finances and to guard the vision of our church. They will help us uh, to satisfy the legal requirements of the state that we exist in and cover those legal documents. They will be responsible should we ever need to borrow funds in the future for obtaining those. They will be responsible for the day when the day comes for us to purchase property somewhere. That will be their responsibility. But in general, our shepherds are not going to be concerned about the business side of the church. The shepherds aren't going to be the ones to hold the staff accountable. The staff will continue to be accountable to me and I will share a mutual accountability with our shepherds. You see, for us at Crosspoint, and as I study the Bible, shepherds, it wasn't about the business of the church. No, the model that I see in the Bible is that shepherding was all about caring for the sheep. And the guys that I believe God has called to shepherd here, that's their heart. In fact, I think probably for all of them, if we were to say, well, this is all about running the business of the church, I don't think a single one of them would have a desire to do that. But as we have studied and prayed together, every single one of them has a desire to care for the sheep that God has placed under their care and to give spiritual guidance to them and to come alongside, to know them by name and allow the sheep to know their shepherds and to help them grow in a relationship with Christ. There's one more sheep story I want to tell you. I read this also this week, again over in the Middle East. A guy was observing and he writes about his observations. He said one day he was standing and he saw uh, some shepherds and some sheep coming down a a path on a, a... tall hill, kind of a winding, rugged path. He said he noticed that at the bottom, towards the bottom of this hill, there, this path met several trails that went in different directions. So these shepherds, as they made their way down the hill, when they got to that point where the trails all separated, they kind of stopped and it became obvious that they had just mixed their flocks together. They kind of huddled up and said their goodbyes to each other and then each shepherd went down a different trail in a different direction and the guy thought, this is going to be a zoo. How is this going to work out? Well, do you know what those sheep began to do? They began to peel off one after the other in different directions following their individual shepherd. 
Now there were a few sheep that kind of meandered around or strayed away a bit. And so when the shepherds had gotten their individual flocks separated from each other and had walked just a little distance, they stopped and each of them one at a time, in their own voice, cried out to the sheep a certain call. And in no time, those wandering, meandering sheep had each found their way to their individual shepherd because they recognized His voice. See, I think that's the picture that the Bible paints. And that's the picture of what we want to see happen here at Crosspoint. Sheep who know the voice of their shepherd and sheep who trust and follow the spiritual guidance of the shepherds that God has called to lead in our church. I'm pretty excited about this. Pretty excited about what this means. Pretty excited that we have reached this point in our history. I'm most excited about the shepherds that God has called to lead us. And here's what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the character of someone that God calls to be a shepherd. And as you, when you get here next week in your weekly update, the, the names of all the guys who are going to be shepherds here will be listed there. And so you can begin to identify who they are. And then on Sunday, June the 6th, we'll have a time as a part of our experience that day where we'll bring all those shepherds up and we'll introduce them to you and we'll take a moment to uh, to pray over them and to set them apart for what God has called them to do here. And from that point on, uh, Cross Point will be spiritually led by these shepherds who will give oversight to our church. So that's the picture of what's going to happen. I want to take a moment right now and just uh, pray for the rest of this process and for those guys who are going to uh, lead us in that way. God, I thank You for the very clear model that You have given us of what shepherds are supposed to do. And God, I pray that here at Crosspoint, You would help us to live this out. God, help us to, as we work through maybe setting aside some of our preconceived ideas or things that we have experienced in the past, and Father, really just to focus in as a church and say, God, what does the Bible say that shepherds are supposed to do? And then God, I pray that we live that out. I pray, God, for those that You have raised up and called to this. And I just pray that You continue to guide us through the final parts of this process. And Father, I pray that uh, You would bless what happens beginning June 6th as they begin to spiritually lead our church. Thank You, God, for Your perfect design of how things are supposed to work. Help us as we do our best to follow it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to do uh, one thing before we wrap up here this morning. We have two young ladies, uh, Alicia Jeffrey and uh, Tara House, that are leaving on Wednesday for a nine-week mission trip to uh, Chile. And so I've invited a couple of the guys who are going to be shepherds uh, to come on up, and uh, they're going to lay hands on the girls and pray. We're going to pray for them as uh, they get ready to go. They are, uh, like I said, headed out Wednesday. They'll do a little pre-filled orientation stuff, and then they'll, uh, within a couple of days after that, be on a plane and headed to Chile. They'll be serving there all summer, nine weeks. I know it's going to be an incredible experience for you guys, and I know God is going to uh, to richly use you. So we just want to take a minute to uh, pray over you and uh, to ask God to watch over you during our time, okay? God, I just uh, thank you for Alicia and Tara and their heart, God, for you, and their heart for the world. And I pray, God, that as they go, you will go before them. God, that you'll go before them to protect them God, that You'll go before them to make their travel and all of the everything that's going to happen to happen with ease and uh, very little frustration. God, I pray that uh, You'd work in their hearts this summer. God, that they would have some experiences that would forever change them, that would forever bring them closer to You, that would forever uh, give them a better glimpse of who You have called them to be as young women. 
I pray, God, that You'd go before them in the lives of the people that they'll interact with. And that, God, You would use them in a significant way to make a difference in those people's lives. And I pray that those people would make a difference in their lives. And God, we can't wait to hear the stories of how You will work in their lives and, God, how You will use them. So in every way, God, would You bless them, watch over them, protect them, and bring them back to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Girls, bless you as you go. And we'll look forward to hearing the stories, okay? All right, thanks. Again, if you're our guest here today, I want to say thanks for being here. hope it's been a great experience. Be sure to stop out at the connection point before you go this morning and get your free mug. I want to just ask all of you to stand. Let me just pray a blessing over all of us, and then that will wrap up our day together, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here at Cross Point next week. God, I just want to pray for every person in this room. Would you bless them? Would you watch over them this week? God, would you use them to make a difference in the lives of people around them? And Father, I look forward to getting together again next week as we worship again. And as we study together again, bless them in every way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See you next week.